as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! You have connected. I hope. Good morning. Good afternoon. Time appropriate greetings, depending on where you're at. This is the Schmidt Show podcast. I think we've got it going live out to uh, out to Facebook Live too. As well, give me. Let me know if you can hear the audio. Okay, I think we got a workaround here. Uh, the Hig will be joining us shortly. He's a little running, a little bit behind. Here's the thing: the Hig has a job <laughs> besides what uh, he does here for helping me out. He actually has a a business that he's got to run. So, uh, welcome, Dave. It's good to see. You. I haven't talked to you in a while, Dave. Let me know if there is uh, if there is some audio. If you're hearing the audio, okay, on the Facebook Live. Uh, channel there. So anyway, good morning. This is the Schmidt show. I am in fact, your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this afternoon or this morning. I should say we are normally, I say the afternoon on my terrestrial show. Uh, by the way, if you ever want to uh, join the Schmidt show, you can do that, um, at our, on my terrestrial show on the Schmidt show radio show, not the podcast here, but the radio show, um, on my terrestrial radio station, it's KNOX. It's 1310 KNOX AM and 107.9 KNOX FM in Grand Forks, North Dakota. But it's also uh, streaming live if you're not in the Grand Forks area. On uh, uh, It's streaming live at KNOXradio.com. So we encourage you that to uh, head on over to KNOX and listen to not just the Schmidt Show, but there's other shows on there that are, are quite good and entertaining as well. So head on over to uh, canoxradio.com if you want to catch me on the terrestrial side uh, in the afternoons, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Central Time in the U.S. Um, I'll let you make the conversion and figure out how to do that. So anyway, thanks for joining me this morning. Like I said, the Hig will be joining us momentarily. He is on his way. So um, like I said, we are... are um, broadcasting live. We're streaming live at at theschmidtshow.com. We are now Facebook live as well. Again, this is somewhat of an experiment. We're trying to still figure this whole um, uh, Facebook live thing out. We're not quite certain exactly how this all works. Uh, and so as we continue to expand the Schmidt Show podcast, uh, the video is going to improve. Once we get moved into our new studio, we're just waiting on our surface, actually, the uh, the countertop surface for the studio. Everything else is pretty well uh, taken care of. So hopefully we'll be in that. I'm, I'm hoping by the end of the month. Uh, so uh, we'll be able to, to uh, provide a little bit better uh, listener, watcher, whatever experience here on the Schmidt Show. So anyway, also, all of this stuff is it's expensive to say the least. Um, and we are trying to get all this stuff up and running, but it does take support. So if you want to join us and support us, you can do that at Patreon. Like I said, uh, most of you are smart enough to figure it out. Uh, if you go to the schmidtshow.com, you'll see that there is a Patreon link there somewhere. I think I, I, it's easy enough to find. And, and the, uh, the listeners of the Schmidt show are, are, uh, smart enough to, figure it out. And, uh, we would really appreciate your support. I do have a few new, um, I do have a few new, uh, Patreon supporters, uh, just recently that joined, I think yesterday was, was one. So, um, one of the things we're working on is I've got stickers, um, to give away, trying to get them out, trying to get them out of my, my, uh, laptop bag here. Um, we have Schmidt head stickers. Um, we're going to be getting these out to folks as, as we can. Anybody who signs up as a, um, as a member of the Schmidt head brigade on Patreon, we'll get a sticker. We're also working on getting some t-shirts, some hats, some coffee mugs, things like that. Except like I said, it, it's expensive to make all that stuff. And the stickers alone cost me about 400 bucks. So, um, considering that I'm not really earning an income from doing the podcast. Um, if you want to help us out, we would love that. And you'll help us uh, spread the word of the Schmidt Show. So today what we're going to talk about is national sovereignty. 
the the immigration red herring. Um, the discussion of border security, the discussion of the wall, the government shutdown, all of this stuff that's going on right now as we talk about uh, what's going on in the United States as far as immigration is concerned, is the border wall, and everybody wants to build a wall, all that kind of thing. In order to make that happen, um, what you need to kind of keep in mind is that the discussion of these specific issues, like say the wall, the shutdown, things like that, they're, they're really little more than a red herring. There, there's not much more to those discussions other than to distract you from what is going on in the, in the greater discussion as it relates to immigration, as it relates to um, the border security in general. Because what we need to understand is that immigration, illegal immigration, border security, all those sorts of things, they all fall under the umbrella of, na- of, of national sovereignty. The real issue, the real discussion revolves around sovereignty. The United States is a sovereign nation. It's, it's really that simple. It is, it is a sovereign nation that should be, as the founders de- de- um, designed it to be, a nation that is governed by its own people and controls its own affairs. It's, that is the, the basic definition of sovereignty. And I, I've got my notebook here. I've got pages of notes of, of things we're going to talk about today as it relates to, to national sovereignty here. So if you see me looking down, that's what it is. I'm just referencing my notes that I've taken as I've, I've done some research on this. Because we've, we've got to stop. One of the things that the left is really good about is taking this issue, whether it's national sovereignty, whether it's border security, whether it's abortion, whether it's, it's taxes, whatever it's, they, they, they're very good at changing the language that we use. We don't talk about killing babies. We talk about pro-choice. It's just a choice. It's just a choice. We don't talk about, um, the illegal alien anymore. We talk about undocumented immigrants. We talk about immigration reform. We don't talk about the real underlying issue. And so one of the things that we've got to do is, as conservatives and those of us on the right is we've got to be very careful about not allowing the left to change the language on us, to change the, the discussion on us. Because the, the real discussion, the real issue that is that needs to be dealt with is not border security it's not the wall it's not the the uh the government shutdown or any of that now all of that stuff matters don't get me wrong the the wall matters and 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 as, as a side note walls work and I've, I've got some links in the uh in the show notes that talk about how walls work and if we get time today we're going to get into some of that as well but we've we've got to stop getting bound up and caught up and and bogged down in the the small discussions the the unnecessary discussions of the wall border security illegal immigration you know the the drug trade all that kind of thing all of that stuff matters don't get me wrong but when we get bogged down in the individual issues, we never get to the real discussion. And in the meantime, as we get bogged down in the, the, the small issues, as we get bogged down in the, 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 the little things, the minutia, the detail of the greater discussion, what ends up happening is they are moving the ball farther and farther down the field and, and putting us in a position where our national sovereignty has been eroded to a point where we no longer have sovereignty. We no longer have our independence because without national sovereignty, there is no independence. If a foreign power, organized or otherwise, can impact the direction of our nation, then we have no independence. Now, there's a difference between independ- or I'm sorry, impact and influence, right? It's, it's, I, I don't have a problem with the influence of history, the influence of other nations upon our nation. If they've got a good policy, if they've found something that works, I don't have a problem with, with adopting um, solid policy and, and the influence from around the nation. 
or I'm sorry, around the world. But when, when they are impacting the direction of our nation, then we no longer have our independence. And like I say, there is a difference between impact and influence. Influence, fine. Because in the end, we can be influenced, but in the end, we still make our own decision. But once our sovereignty has been impacted, that we, we no longer have um, a choice in what is going on. Think of it in, the, in terms of a car accident. If I'm driving down the highway on a four-lane highway, two lanes going in each direction, and I'm in the fast lane, you're in the slow lane, we're both going side by side, though. Neither one of us is going faster than the other. And I start to drift into your lane, and you move out of the way so we don't crash, that's an influence. That's, that is recoverable, because you can move out of the way, then speed up or slow down. In the end, you still have the opportunity to, to avoid the impact that I will have on your life. You can say, ah, he's coming my lane, I'm going to move out of the way and keep going forward. Or you can just say, hey... I'm going to try and influence him back and let him know. I'm going to honk at him and let him know that I'm here. And then we've both influenced others, each other, and we've, we've been kept safe. But if I impact you, if I come across your lane and I impact you and crash into you and plow you into the guardrail or whatever, there's no longer a choice on your part, and the HIG has arrived. So I told you the HIG was coming. See, here's the thing about the HIG. The Hig has an actual job that he has to go to and deal with with things. I don't really have quite as many responsibilities in the morning as the Hig does. So um, I think your mic has turned on, but I'll. Do you know uh, what time you start your show in the morning? Uh, my my podcast. Yes. Yeah, at like ten. Ten o'clock a.m. Yeah. And do you want to take a guess what time Speed Technology opens on Monday? Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock a.m. And do you know what time we get all of the calls? For all of the things that failed throughout the weekend, nine fifty-five, about nine thirty. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so thank you, Hig, for for uh, coming in. Like I say, I knew he was, I knew he was busy and, and doing things with work and and whatnot. So um, did I steal your headphone jack? Is that what I did? I stole your headphone yep, jack, that's didn't no I? Problem. I just, that's okay. I just, right. I slid us over. All right. So Facebook we, live will live. We, yeah, Facebook live blipped audio for a second, but the Hig fixed it. So anyway, um, so yes, the, back to the, the whole discussion, there's a difference between impact and influence. Influence is recoverable. Influences actually can be a good thing because we can mutually influence each other for our own betterment. But when there's an impact, that's a problem. And so, Allowing foreign powers to influence is one thing. Allowing foreign powers, or like I said, organized or, or otherwise, um, is, is not acceptable because it, it removes our independence. It removes our sovereignty. George Washington, I've got a quote here in my, in my handy-dandy notebook. Uh, George Washington once said to Alexander Hamilton, he said, If a foreign power can tell us, quote, what we shall do and what we shall not do, we have independence yet to seek and contend and have contended hitherto for very little. So if we can be impacted by foreign powers, then we have no influence. And the founding fathers knew this. They understood this. In fact, they understood it so deeply that they decided and and um, chose to 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 codify it in the Declaration of Independence. They said, we are, quote, one people. We have the right to, quote, assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. They decided that they would no longer be impacted by the crown. They would no longer be impacted by King George. They didn't mind the influence of the history. They didn't mind the influence of the Magna Carta. They didn't mind the influence of the, the historical writings uh, from which they drew their wisdom and, and from which they drew their conclusions about the importance of sovereignty. They didn't mind the influence. What they decided is that they would no longer be impacted by King George. They actually listed in the Declaration of Independence, and believe it or not, I've got a link in the show notes to the Declaration of Independence, so you can see this for yourself. But they actually listed several of King George's offenses, a few of them, and we'll, we'll, we'll draw, I'll point these out so I can uh, um, correlate them to the, the, the modern-day equivalencies as it relates to sovereignty. So one of the things that, that King George was offending 
the colonists, the founding fathers with, as he was, quote, according to the Declaration of Independence, transporting us beyond the seas to be tried for pretended offenses. Another one he said was that, uh, uh, was written in the Declaration of Independence, King George has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws. And then a third one, and there was a whole bunch more than just three, but these are just three that I want to point out because they have some pretty significant direct correlations to what's going on uh, in today's world and how we are are, uh, abandoning our sovereignty. Um, the third one was that he imposed taxes on us without our consent, right? We remember the, the, the discussion in, in, in elementary and in middle school and all of that, the, the idea of taxation without representation. That's, that's what they were talking about. There's another George Washington quote um, about sovereignty, and uh, it says this. Let me scroll down to it here. I got, I got, wait, I got five computer screens in front of me right now to try and keep track of all this, so. Um, he said this, it is universally acknowledged that the enlarged prospect of happiness opened by the confirmation of our independence and sovereignty almost exceeds the power of description. He, he understood so deeply the importance of sovereignty. He said, he, he even went so far as to say it is almost impossible to describe how important it is. Now, when we start talking about these these um, these offenses um, that King George had heaped upon the citizens of the United States, to which they decided they were no longer going to be impacted by them, that they wrote the Declaration of Independence and declared their sovereignty from from uh, from Great Britain. Think of the first one I mentioned, transporting us beyond the seas to be tried for pretended offenses. I don't know who's, what, I got beeping things over here. I got all kinds of might, That might have been me. I may, may or may not have taken a picture of you with your five computer screens. Did you? I, well, and I'm, I'm, I'm muting audio. It could have been me too. So anyway, um, in 1998, the International Criminal Court was established. It empowered, it is empowered to subject American soldiers to criminal prosecution in Holland. The founding fathers rejected this. Now, it's not that they don't believe that an American soldier could ever do anything wrong. It wasn't that the founding fathers believed that Americans could not ever be guilty of bad behavior. It was more so that they did not believe and did not accept the jurisdiction of foreign courts over American citizens. They believed that it was necessary to, to try American citizens for criminal behavior in American courts. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you start subjecting American citizens to jurisdictions beyond the United States, you give up your sovereignty. You are saying to these foreign powers, you're saying to these conglomerations, the, you know, the, 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 uh, what's it in Europe? Do you, what is it? I lost the, my train of thought there. What's the, what's the thing in Europe? Noah, the, the European Union. That's the word. I can't believe oh, I couldn't, EU? I couldn't the believe that, I couldn't the, think the of thing that. that. The thing that uh, specifies how big bananas have to be. Right. So yes. So the EU, we start, when we start um, separating ourselves and, and abandoning our sovereignty and handing it over to the EU, we no longer have freedom. If we turn it over to the UN, if we turn it over to NATO, if we turn it over to whatever. Now, again, this isn't about abandoning appropriate exercise of, of diplomacy because diplomacy is, is different. And, and, and the appropriate exercise of diplomacy is an important part of being a global power such as the United States. But when we start turning over our citizens to criminal courts, we have completely and entirely abandoned our sovereignty. In 1997, you remember the Kyoto Protocol? Do you remember that one? You mm-hmm. might be too young for the, the Kyoto Accord. No. So yeah. in Kyoto, Japan in 1997, they expanded some UN climate change stuff from 1992. And subjected the United States to all sorts of uh, energy and... and uh, gasoline and 
coal and fossil fuel regulations and things like this, right? Okay. We had to, it's kind of like what they're trying to do now with the Paris Treaty that, that Trump pulled us out of. The Paris Accord, yeah. Right. Kind of the same thing, except they called it the Kyoto Accord. Um, it was an international treaty that essentially regulated the U.S., and monitor and and which is fine, right? We can we can go into accords and we can go into treaties with these other nations, right? We can say, hey, look, here's something that we think is good for the world. We agree with you on this, and we agree with you on that. Let's do these things together to make the world right. a better place. I don't have a problem with that, but what I have a problem with is that when when this this Kyoto Accord took place, and same with the Paris Accord, and it's part of the reason it's a good thing that Trump pulled out of the Paris Accord, is that it is monitored by some international bureaucracy that we have no essentially no say in yeah but i'm guessing we fund exactly most likely just like we do with the un right we'll look at nato right well yeah that too <laughs> i mean so on and on and on so these treaties i don't have a problem with the trees right that's the appropriate that's an appropriate exercise of of diplomacy but when we are then monitored and regulated and and rules and things imposed on us by an external international bureaucracy that we have no, um, how do you say it? No, no way to control redress, right? Yeah. We, we can't complain about it or whatever, because we've signed this exclusive agreement that becomes a problem. We are giving up our, 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 our sovereignty, which specifically says in the declaration of independence, he has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws. Like we wrote about this 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. The founding fathers said, we will not accept this anymore. And here we are 200 plus years ago. And we are, we are essentially selling ourselves back into slavery willfully and intentionally. We're, we're selling ourselves back to the king, except it's not King George anymore. It's the Paris Accord. It's the, the you know Iranian nuclear deal with Russia and China and other countries that hate us and want to see us damaged and diminished. Um, the third one, imposing taxes without our consent. Now, there's, there's not a whole lot of specific um, examples of this. There are, and I'm sure they're out there. I haven't found them, whatever. Um, but the... The um, the issue of taxing without representation. You've heard, and you've probably heard Bernie Sanders talk about this. You've probably heard about several other of the of the neo socialists, as they are. Um, that's a term that I'm just deciding to for coin right now. The neo socialists, the neo Marxists, like the, the Bernie Sanders of the world. Yeah, the Bernie Sanders, the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. You'll hear them talk from time to time, and they don't say it often because it doesn't sound good in a soundbite. But the, you'll hear them talk about in, in their moments of candor where they will talk about um, the, the, the need to impose international taxes, right? We need to impose things like the carbon tax on nations like the United States because we, ex, we exude so many chlorofluorocarbons into the air that we need to, we need to be taxed on that so we can use that money to figure out ways to, to – uh, make the environment better. It sounds great in in theory. The reality is it's just a way to rip off the American people and tax them without their consent and to level and it and really in the end what it comes down to is economic leveling. Right? It has nothing to do with actually controlling or or helping the climate. It's all about it's all about economic leveling, right? Making the poor just as poor as they always were, but making the rich people poor at the same time. Right. Is what it comes down because to because equality, right? Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's better that everybody is equally miserable mm -hmm. than than some people are prosperous and have the opportunity to lift others out of poverty. You know what's interesting about that? When you find that the wealthy people tend to go up in in wealth, yes, the poor people stay poor. But you know what happens? The poor people are still poor by comparison. But when you compare them to other poor people around the world, they're much much richer. You know, they don't. And, and that's what's kind of frustrating about this. And, and going back to what you were saying earlier about not having input on some of these things, you notice this is why it's dangerous to have people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court, because she thinks that foreign law should be considered anytime we 
and I didn't see your show prep ahead of right. time. Right. <laughs> Justice Ginsburg, it's right there. <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, that's, that's actually the, the very next step, the very next logical or next progression of this discussion is that um, more recently, like say, we've had these leaders talking about the, the international taxes and all that kind of thing. But even maybe more scary is that you've got Justice Ginsburg, who, and not just Ginsburg, but Breyer's been doing it too talking about the importance of citing international law and foreign law in in understanding the Constitution. Now, I, I will give them a little bit of credit in suggesting and saying that, yes, there is some reality in that because, you know, our Constitution and, and some of these other founding documents and the Federalist Papers and the wisdom that the, the founding fathers had was based on their historical understanding of these various documents, the Magna Carta and some of these other historical documents, the the founding fathers didn't weren't the first ones to come up with the idea of free speech. Right. I mean, they they went back into other historical documents. They went into other history, you know, and and, and writings about policy and, and governance and all those sorts of things. And they they said, hey, here's this one about free speech. That's a pretty good idea. We should we should keep that. So in in using it from that perspective, if we look across the world and we decide that, hey, look, here's a, a country that has tried this new law as a way to curb, you know, drug issues. Well, maybe we can look at that and figure out how to implement that into our um, into our society, into our culture, into our laws as well. But when we are interpreting the Constitution using foreign law, that becomes a problem. That that becomes a serious problem. So um, I'm not, again, this is the idea of influence versus impact, right? It's okay to allow foreign law to influence us and, mm-hmm. and influence us into, hey, that's a good law. Let's try to implement something like that. The example I've used in the past, here in North Dakota, we, we recently legalized medical marijuana. And it was a, it was, it was two years ago or whatever, two election, one election cycle. It was during the presidential Mm -hmm. election. Mm -hmm. Um, We legalized medical marijuana and it was just a poorly written. It was an initiated measure. It's kind of a poorly written measure. The legislature had to go in and fix a bunch of things because the measure actually um, contradicted the North Dakota constitution. So we had to fix some things there, but Minnesota's law on medical marijuana was, was incredibly well-written. They did a great job of kind of working through all of the, the hoops and the, the, the things that you had to jump through to make sure that you could get legalized medical marijuana and all those sorts of things. Minnesota did a great job with that. And so I said, why don't we just adopt Minnesota's law and, you know, reword it to say North Dakota instead of Minnesota, problem solved, right? Right. That's the difference between influence versus impact. Well, and so the other thing is, and this is kind of, I think this is kind of what you're getting at as well, is when those law changes or when they evolve in the other place, it doesn't necessarily require us to follow suit. Right. Right. We can just take good ideas and then it's not, we don't subscribe to international law. Right. We are just saying that here is a good idea and we're going to, and maybe that idea is implemented in international law and we're going to implement that idea right. here with local laws. Right. But the, the supremacy is always the local law. Exactly. Whereas your Ruth Bader Ginsburg's and your, you know, Ocasio-Cortez's would say that yep. international law. Breyer, trumps, Justice Breyer said the same thing. Would, would yeah. Trump, would Trump the United States law. And, and see, and that's, and this is why, like I said, as, as I've been thinking about this whole discussion of immigration and border security and, and all these sorts of things, I get my chair is all messed up here. Sorry. The, uh, as we, as we've been talking about the immigration stuff and, 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 and don't get me wrong, immigration, border security, all that stuff is, is vitally important. I'm not saying it's not, but the, the grander discussion is national sovereignty and the reason border security matters. The reason we need the wall or, you know, some version of, uh, you know, a virtual wall and a real wall and, you know, laser guided sharks with alligators strapped to the back, whatever we've got to do to secure the border. The reason that matters is not because we need a wall to keep the brown people out, right? That's that's not the that's not really the issue. You're already here, so we're screwed anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I can be deported. <laughs> You can you? No, you can't. No, I was born. Yeah, I was gonna say you're born. No, <laughs> they can't. They can't deport me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not deplorable. Um. So the uh, you threw me there for a second. I was like, wait a second, you can't be deported. <laughs> Could your dad? 
Yes. He's, oh, absolutely. He's a citizen. Well, now. yeah, he's naturalized. Yeah, so yeah, he couldn't be yeah, deported. He couldn't either. be deported anymore. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. See, that's really what's that's, what's, <laughs> that's what's that's what's great about what happens when you follow due process, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's amazing how that works, right? So anyway, um, back to so the idea is that that it's it's not about keeping the brown people out. It's not about the you know any of that. It's 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 about protecting our national sovereignty because if we have, let's just say for example, I don't know, the numbers are somewhere between eleven and. 30 million illegal aliens in the United States. Now, if the illegal aliens who are not citizens of the United States begin to um, begin to influence elections and impact our government, we are no longer a sovereign nation because now the citizens of Mexico have decided how Americans must live their lives. The citizens of Guatemala, you know, Norway, Sweden, Germany, I mean, pick a country, South Africa. It doesn't matter. We cannot allow our nation to be impacted by foreign powers, organized or otherwise. Like, it doesn't matter if it's just the, it, I mean, it's, it's, you talk about the Russian collusion stuff, right? It's not necessarily just about the Russian government impacting us. It's about Russian people. I don't know how many Russians there are, a couple hundred million, but if they are somehow able to figure out how to influence our election, by illegally voting in our elections and things like that. Now they have impacted and a foreign power, it, you know, disorganized or disconnected or whatever has impacted the, the, uh, the American people and, and the way we have to live our lives. And it is just as inappropriate. And this is one of the things that I struggle with, with some of the, the, the way the United States military is used. It is just as important for the United States to respect the sovereignty of other nations. Right. right. And here's where you draw the right and the left together. Because the, the left will constantly shout and scream and cry and whine and complain about the United States impacting the nations of the world. We, we look what we did to Iraq by forcing them into a new constitution after, the, um, after deposing uh, Saddam Hussein. Look what we're trying to do in these other various Middle Eastern countries, Syria, Afghanistan, and things like that. We are, we are impacting their their national sovereignty and now on some levels it was necessary because their national the the choices that they made with their national sovereignty was an attempt to um, influence or impact the united states so we had a duty to protect ourselves and or their neighbors right when when the first gulf war iraq invades kuwait we, we came alongside Kuwait to help Kuwait protect their national sovereignty. And so, and, and I, don't get me wrong, I, I, I get some of that can go too far and we can be, we have to be careful with all of that because we can, we can unduly and inappropriately impact other nations' sovereignty as well. So we have to be careful when we use the military and all that kind of stuff. But that's where the left and the right come together, right? Because they want to make sure that we are protecting Iraq's national sovereignty and Great Britain's national sovereignty and Afghanistan's national sovereignty. And if they believe that that is important, then if they are intellectually honest, they have to acknowledge, they have to admit that our national sovereignty is important as well. And the way we protect our national sovereignty is dealing with border security. And it's not, like I said, it's not just about the wall. It's not just about the, the, the government shutdown or the funding or whatever. Some places we need a wall. Some places it's not necessary because the terrain is just so bad that you're not going to get through there anyway. Yeah, I've talked right? to a good friend of mine. Is, uh, he works for the Border Patrol and has said a wall really won't do much. Really? Yeah, physical barrier. Because what he said was the vast majority of people that are coming across the, the border, it's not like they're just trekking across they have these tunnels and there's all sorts of things right so i'm not necessarily married to an actual physical wall right. i mean that was what he campaigned on right I don't, i'm not necessarily married to that i'm just married to the idea of border security right. i don't care how i think we should take five billion dollars and spend it towards border security i could care less if it's a wall or seismic sensors right. or drones or heck you know yep. what put two ge miniguns with motion detectors on them and, and yeah, right know, yeah and start setting those up and right you know yeah whatever we've got to do because the issue is border security because the issue is national sovereignty 
And so any, oh, and here's, let me, I want to just mention this. I, I, I didn't vote for Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary. Don't, don't hear that. I did not vote for Hillary. I did not vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for Trump either. But the, the, the idea that some of the, the, the really hardcore Trumpians, so to, so to speak, um, Let's not pretend that Donald Trump is some great hero who's going to lay waste to the the new world order or you know expose the Illuminati or 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 you know you know put on display whatever your favorite brand of conspiracy theory is, right? I mean this I hear this all uh, Trump is going to finally expose the Illuminati and and whatever he's not he, if you believe that Donald Trump is is acting outside entirely outside of the establishment, you're fooling yourself. He is not entirely out of the establishment. I tell you, he's pretty. I mean, he's definitely non-establishment. Don't get, he's absolutely he's definitely non-establishment. There's no question about that. They hate him. They absolutely do. But he also knows how to work within the establishment. Well, he knows how to, he knows how to get things done because he spent his life getting things done with people he within may or may not agree with. Right, right within exactly. the establishment. So don't don't pretend that he's going to come in and, and kick down all of the walls. He's just not. He he will he will leave office in you know in in his four after his first four years or eight years or however long he stays in his if he's reelected or whatever and and the establishment will continue. Donald Trump is not going to to save the world from the Illuminati or the Bilderberger group or you know the the skull and bones or the Masons or like I say whatever your brand of of conspiracy is they will continue those conspiracies will continue long after Trump is gone. But here's the other thing. Speaking of walls. Um I actually we um if you notice on the the comments on the Facebook page there's an individual whose husband used to work for Border Patrol and is now retired. And I said, I'm going to reach, I told her I'm going to reach out to her um, afterwards and set up that interview because that could be a fascinating interview. Yeah, it would um, be great. But here's the other thing walls work, right? I mean, walls, I know your friend in Border Security says, it's not going to work, but walls work. We have we have multiple oh, in general, absolutely right. We have multiple examples, and and I've got one of my other laptops here. Um, if you and this is believe it or not, this is a Hig deal. This laptop, pretty amazing. Oh, look, stickers on the laptop. Yeah, so this is actually a pretty amazing little laptop. It really is. My son just bought the bigger version of this. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's anyway, fantastic. Um, that's a different discussion. Anyway, but walls work. So. Um, probably one of the most famous walls, the Berlin Wall, right? I mean, next to the next to the the Great Wall of China, mm -hmm. the Berlin Wall. One of the issues it was a it was a ninety six mile concrete barrier, separated East Germany West Germany after World War Two. It was twelve foot high, built in nineteen sixty one. Um, reinforced in sixty two, uh, got a major overhaul in the seventies. In its final form. It had 79 miles of fencing, 65 miles of anti-vehicle trenches, 300 watchtowers, 250 guard dogs, and over 20 bunkers. Pretty significant wall. The, the Berlin Wall was probably the most elaborate part of what the East Germans called the anti-fascist protection rampart. Um, the reason they had the wall was because between 1945 and 1961, over three and a half million East Germans walked across an unguarded border mm -hmm. because they were fleeing socialism, which is another discussion for down the road. But as I've talked about before, if you want to kill people, socialism is the way to do it. Right. If you want to murder hundreds of millions of people, yay socialism. Um, so the the reason they had the, the Berlin Wall mm -hmm was to prevent defection. Three and a half million from 1945 to 1961. And I, there's a graph, and I've got a link to this article in, in the show notes, so if you want to see the numbers. Um, the wall was even more effective than the graph make it seem, is, and I'm just reading from the article here, um, because these figures include legal immigration. Um, so in 1961, prior to the wall being constructed, there was over 200,000 
uh, border crossings from East Germany to West Germany. Um, in 1963, the year following, you can barely even you barely even notice on the graph. Like it doesn't it doesn't go like it doesn't have a number low enough to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it slashed the defections from over 200,000 to about 185 a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, And honestly, then you go, well, hang on. It gets even better. You go all the way up to 1989, mm-hmm. and, and then you realize, oh, they took the wall down, and it went from 185 a year to about 330,000, and in 1990, um, nearly 600,000. Walls work. They always Absolutely. work. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and you know, honestly, if you need a be- if you need a, an example closer to home, you just look at what happens when you put a fence up, right? Right. Stray dogs, stray cats, stray people, stray right. drunks. All of those yep. things stay out of your yard. Yep. Right. Yep. And so and so we have everyday examples of that. the 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 question becomes: Where are the vast majority of illegal immigrants crossing the border? And if the method of that is is something that a physical barrier wouldn't prevent, then does it make sense to to to, to spend five billion dollars to, right. to get and that? There? And that's the key. That's the key. Is is and, if, I, and I don't claim to know. And, right. And so you know, and even even a friend of mine, given his job description, he knows better than I do. So I tend to defer to him. But I'm sure he'd be the first one to admit. Right. You know, there are plenty of other people that not only work for the border patrol but have done research and studies and have looked at all of these you know uh, illegal immigration patterns and things like that. Right. And they would know better than he would. And so at the end of the day, I don't care. But the, the, the point is that the, the left tends to control the narrative and they want yes. to blur the line between illegal immigration and legal immigration. Right. And until we solve that problem, I, I it, sure, let's build a wall. Let's right. go ahead and spend $5 billion because yep. at least it shows that we are making progress. Even if it doesn't stop everybody, there's right. obviously a few people that are going to wander across. And if it's not the most efficient use of money, then that's on the left. Right. To be able to come to the table and say, listen, let's do this more effectively and he- present a solution then. Right. If a wall isn't the solution, yeah. I guess. People people are always going to figure out a way to get around. The, the ones that are really, truly determined, they'll get away. They'll figure out a way to get around the border. For example, Israel-Egypt border. Back in 2012, it started in 2010. They, um, January 2010, Israel decided they were going to take their border security with Egypt a little more seriously. Because in 2010... They had 14,613 illegal crossings from from Egypt into Israel. It's It spiked in 2011 to an all-time high of 17,285 illegal crossings. In 2012, they began constructing the border wall between Israel and Egypt, and it dropped to 10,445. In 2013, after the wall had been completed, the border fence... And it's a pretty significant fence. It's uh, There's razor wire and all kinds of crazy stuff on it. Um, in 2013, after the Israeli-Egypt border fence was completed, 43 illegal crossings. 43. After a spike, a, a spike high of over 17,000 just two years prior. Border walls work. Um, the, the West Bank um, border crossings... Let's see, what is this? Um, oh, deaths per million from terrorism. So here's the, the, the discussion of do, do walls curb crime, things like drug trafficking and, and things like that, right? Um, just about, it's like 69 deaths per million from terrorism in 2002. The, the barrier was only 51% complete in 2006, there was less than 10 deaths, actually less than five deaths from terrorism. Um, the border wall in, from, on the West Bank is not still not complete, but we're still looking at less than five deaths per million. So the, the numbers work, or the walls work. They, wall, they, they work to prevent crime. They work to prevent um, illegal aliens. The Hungarian fence um, between... Um, on the Hungarian border, um, I'm not sure, Hungary and uh, Serbia, Croatia. In 2015, um, just over 6,000 daily apprehensions. Daily um, apprehensions, just over 6,000 in 2015. They put up the border fence in... So, 
So from from the 15th of October in 2015 to the 17th of October, it went from 6,000 daily apprehensions to less than a thousand. Like it, it instantaneous. Like it, it, the 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 borders work. They just work. Um, and I, I can go on and on and on. Like I said, the, the, uh, this link, this article is linked um, in the show notes, or, or will be linked in the show notes um, if you're watching us live or listening live. Seven zero one seven, or I'm sorry, uh, the phone number. I, if you want to call in, eight six six seven six six seventeen seventy six. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. There's all kinds of ways. We have the chat room on on uh, Freenode. We've got Telegram. We've got Facebook Live. There's a few that there's. Uh, we got like eight, nine, seven, eight people watching right now um, on Facebook Live. So uh, anyway, I, a little bit of a shorter episode today, but I, I wanted to go a little bit more in depth on the issue of national sovereignty um, and the issue of of. I think we we are getting caught up. We are getting hung up on the on what I'm calling the red herring of immigration, right? That I, I have a a very simple belief about immigration. I think immigration is a simple issue with a very complicated solution. the 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 issue of of immigration is not immigration because we want people to immigrate here. Mm-hmm. We want people to come from other countries. I love the fact that your dad, as a heart doctor, is here from India. Right, because if he wasn't, we wouldn't be doing this show right now. Well, he wouldn't be doing this show right now. But also, I like the fact that we have intelligent heart doctors coming from other parts of the world to come and help our people with their heart issues. Right. right? That's important. That's a good thing. We want that. Um, so it's not about immigration. Um, it's about border security and national sovereignty. Mm-hmm. More importantly, national sovereignty. Um so the discussion of immigration, I believe, is a simple three-part solution with a very complicated implementation of that solution is maybe the better way to say it. It's a, it's a, a complicated problem with a simple solution with a complicated impl- implementation of that solution. The, the solution is a threefold solution. Number one, border security. As it comes to, to immigration, we've got to secure the borders. And that's not just the southern border. That's the northern border with Canada. That's the southern border with Mexico. It's the borders at the airport when people fly in and overstay visas and all those sorts of things. It's border security. It's, it's, it's understanding that our borders matter because national sovereignty matters. Mm-hmm. Then the second thing, once we've got the borders secure, and again, there's always going to be a few people that sneak through, right? That's, nobody's, nobody's pretending that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Um, but that doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. Exactly. So then the second thing, once we've got the border secure, once we've we've got that process completed and we figured out how to deal with border security, the next step is dealing with the immigration process. I believe that we need to make it easier to come here legally mm-hmm. than it is to come here illegally. All right. We need after to, we fix the right border. after, of course, after we fix the border control or the border issue, we have to because we want immigration. Like I said, we want heart doctors and technology geeks, and we want all kinds of you know engineers and scientists and things like that. We want people to come and be a part of our country. We, we want people to come who are willing to do the manual labor and drive the trucks and work in the fields and and work in hotels and things. We want all of that. We want people to be a part of this nation. If we truly believe that we have the greatest nation in the world with the greatest opportunity for success and 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 prosperity in the world, why wouldn't we want to share that with people? Right. Right? Why wouldn't we want them to come and be a part of that? Mm-hmm. And so I, we need to make it, I believe, easier to come here legally. We need to streamline the process to make it easier for people to come here legally than it is for them to come here illegally. The, my only hesitation with that is it, and this is where we're going to get a lot of pushback from the progressive left. Immigration should always benefit the American citizen first. Absolutely, there should always be a benefit to the citizenry of the country yep. uh, of which is receiving the immigrants, with the exception of refugees. Right. And so, if you're go, if you you know, we just say, yeah, we'll make it easier to come here, but you have to bring something to the table. Right. Can't just show up at the door and say, yep. yeah, I'm penniless and poor, and yep. I have no skills, and so let me in because. I want to be there. I like yep. what, I like what's happening over there. Yep, absolutely. That, that that is. I'm glad you brought that up because I would have forgotten to mention that. That it is. It absolutely has to be for the benefit of the United States first, mm-hmm. 
and then for their benefit second. You know, for for the for the immigrants' benefit second, um, and then finally the third thing is dealing with the people who are already here, right? I mean, we we've got like I said, the numbers depending on who you listen to, somewhere between seven and eleven to thirty to forty five million illegal immigrants illegal immigrants who are already here. Mm-hmm. Some of them, by no fault of their own, they were brought here as toddlers, as as infants by their parents. They just you know whatever they're here. Sure. We got to deal with that. Yep. Like, and and I don't think it is it is the the best example to or the the best idea to send someone who was who came here as a six month old infant with their parents mm-hmm. because their parents broke the law to to punish that child and send them back to a nation that, that they've never been in. that they've never been in and know nothing about because all they've ever known is the United States. So th- that gets a little tricky on it, dealing actually, with that. You know, it really doesn't. But if here's 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 the here's here's how, here's how you deal with that. How you deal with that is you eliminate you you treat them essentially the same way you treat anchor baby, somebody who was born here who is is allowed to stay here. The child can stay, the adult returns. Right. You well, know? and and I and and when I say that that's tricky is that's going to make people feel bad. Oh yeah. Right. You know, and but this is I've talked about many 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 times. Doing the right thing doesn't always feel good. Right? Right. So, I mean, there's, and there, and there's ways to figure that out, right? Like I'm okay with, with figuring out some sort of path to citizenship, mm-hmm. following due process and, you know, Hey, you've got to go to the end of the line. The people who have been working to come here first, they get to jump in front of you. Mm-hmm. You get to, you got to go to the end of the line or whatever that looks like. I, I, I don't know all of the details on all of that, but I know that we've got to deal with the people who are here and, mm-hmm. and that is going to be. A, a difficult task, but we can't bother even doing any of that until we've a secured the border and b reformed the process to get people to come here legally to go through the proper channels. Somebody on Facebook sent us a, a meme and says, "Did you know that the U.S. gave Jordan five hundred million to build a wall around the Iraq border? It currently is under construction and agreed that fully funded by the Republican de- Democrat politicians." <laughs> now he does say, you know probably should verify that because it you know comes in right. the form of a meme. Right. So, you know, double check it for the information. But the point is that we fund border security all over the world all the time. Right. In all the first thing that we do when we go into a country is we put soldiers in and then we build a wall up. Right. And they, they have it down to a fine science. They've got these they essentially look like big gigantic laundry hampers that they fill with uh with dirt. And right. they, they shovel this dirt in, they build a wall. That's the very first thing they do, and that's how they secure a base. So why why would that same concept not apply to a sovereign nation? We either are a sovereign nation or we're not. There is no in-between. And that's kind of right. where we have to come to an, uh, to a point of agreement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, I think what you, what you mentioned is, is key to all of this, that it has to be in the best interest of the United States first. As, as far as it relates to to the the immigration issue. So, um, Noah, thank you for coming in and, yeah, you bet. and joining us. We'll be back next week. Oh, also, if you missed it, if you missed it, um, if you missed it last or yesterday, Saturday, two days ago. Yes, EDC we did a, episode. We Check did it a out. special episode on Everyday Carry. Um, you'll definitely want to download that one and listen to it. It was a great episode. I had a great time doing it with me and Noah and uh, our friend Matt. So great time with that. We'll see you next week. It's uh, the Schmidt Show podcast. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.